Welcome to episode two, season three of Relevant Conversations for All. Today's episode is called The Economy of Law. Um, you know, collectively, we have always um, added in tidbits regarding Black history, but we will spend particular attention throughout the month, um, not just talking about those figures in history that are most prominent or known to the general population, but also those that are unknown. And we'll start that off today by talking about Rosalie Ingram and her son, Sammy Lee and Wallace. On February 3rd, 1948, Rosalie Ingram, a black woman and her two children, Wallace, age 17 and Sammy Lee, age 14, were convicted by an all white jury in a one day trial in Ellaville, Georgia. The three family members were sentenced to death by electric chair for killing an armed white man in self-defense after he violently assaulted and threatened them. On November 4th, 1947, um, a white landowner named John Stratford, armed with a shotgun and a pocket knife, attacked Ingram, a widow who worked as a sharecropper on his farm in Ellsville, Georgia. Testimony later revealed that Stratford hit Ingram in the head with the butt of his rifle while threatening to sexually assault her. Um, hmm. And he also threatened to shoot her. Ingram's sons rushed to their mother's aid. And when they heard screaming as she was being attacked, in her defense, one son struck Stratford with a farm tool, killing him. Ingram and her sons were arrested soon after Stratford was found dead. Even though the local sheriff admitted that the sons acted in self-defense of their mother, Rosa Wallace and Sammy Lee Ingram were all sentenced to death by electrocution and their execution was scheduled for February 27th. Though Wallace and Sammy Lee were both minors, they were eligible for execution under the law at the time the US, the US Supreme Court did not ban the execution of children until 2005. I just wanna repeat that. The U.S. Supreme Court did not ban the execution of children until 2005. After a post-trial motion and pressure from civil rights activists, the trial judge changed the Ingram sentences to life imprisonment. Then in July 1948, the Georgia Supreme Court affirmed their convictions and life sentences. Though Ingram and her sons were no longer um, suffering from the death penalty, uh, they were sent to state penitentiaries. And after a post-trial motion and pressure from civil rights activists, um, they were not paroled until 1959. Uh, you know that the US Supreme Court did not 
get rid of the motion to execute children until 2005? Right. Well, you know, it doesn't doesn't surprise you in the way that the law is wielded as a weapon in this country, because why would they uh, say, hey, children can't be executed because white children were very likely uh, not to be convicted and sentenced to death? that was preserved for other children. So given, given the intent with which the law was written in this country, and in many, case, in many cases still is written and preserved in this country, um, the law is written to protect a very specific type of citizen here in America. And, you know, whether it's children being convicted and sentenced to death or other people of other ages being convicted and sentenced to death, then that means that, okay, we know when we're going to apply it to a white person, whether it's a child or adult. And it's not going to be as often as it is to other people here in the country. Yeah, yeah. So therein is that loophole that we talked about. Right. right. Um, that gives that leeway for the changing of the game. Right. right. But those who have eyes to see will see how this system actually works. If they choose mm -hmm. to see. You know, there are many people who um, choose not to see that whether it's deliberate or whether it's because they don't want to acknowledge what this country has done and continues to do. This is one of the reasons why we don't see these things taught in school. This is why we have to wait until um, college where we can pay for a course to learn about these things. Or if we're savvy enough, we can seek the knowledge out ourselves. Right. Or, you know, as you are raising children, you make them aware of certain things and and then they know that that knowledge is out there to go deeper into. Um, but the law in this country is something that we have discussed on several episodes of this podcast mm -hmm. um, with regard to how um, it exists uh, in favor of a specific group of people, those, and I won't even say white, because some people uh, are accepted as white in order to keep those numbers up. So I'll say right. Right. Uh, those that are, you know, accepted as white in order to uh, protect them, uh, rather than to protect the country as a whole. And that totally goes back to our conversation offline uh, with regard to the laws that still exist on the books. You know, um, they have not been repealed. You know, uh, the three-fifths of a human or of a man uh, that slaves or people of Black descent being chattel as opposed to being human, um, you know, because if you count someone as human, it changes the outlook, right? If, if everyone 
considered those people who were held in captivity and uh, made to build this country as human, there was no way to justify that. So if you pass a law, though, and it's saying, okay, or judgments were made to say, hey, you know, they're not human, they're chattel, so do with them what you will, then that opens up the game. Right. Right. And that 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 hasn't been repealed. It's just been amended. It has been amended. And we have also had numerous conversations regarding the Constitution and the number of amendments that have taken place. Um, right. And we've talked about it along the lines of how many times can a document be amended before it is invalid? Um, right. You know, let's put the Constitution where it belongs, and that is in a glass case in a Estonian, and start to... Um, consider all as being humans rather than allowing dehumanization of individuals to be a part of the norm of this country. Right. Um, Three-fifths of a man. I mean, I would think that this country would be ashamed to even have that still reflected in the constitution. Three-fifths of a man. That is a confirmation of you are not human. Exactly. But the person who owns you could consider you to be human, a fraction of you to be human for the purpose of voting, for the purpose of taxes, for the purpose of their benefits, really. Right. Um, If if you look at um, the Constitution, and I'll liken it to a sock, right? And and times change, and and as time goes on, you get a hole in a sock, you know, like back in the day where your mom used to sew your sock, or called darning your sock, right? How many many times can the Constitution be darned with an amendment? You know, how many times can you get, uh, how many times can you darn a holy sock? Right. Is it it's like, okay, at some point, you got to get rid of the sock and spring for a new pair of socks. That's it. Sure. So, you know, um, it, you, and it's common sense and logical when you look at it with socks, but no matter how these antiquated laws that remain on the books across the country and the Constitution itself, no matter how many times is called into question, oh, we'll just make an exception or amend it in this way so that it's more reflective. Why not, you know, throw these antiquated laws and and put the constitution, like you said, in the glass case where it belongs. I don't see anybody using anything else except for maybe a house that was built <laughs> 300 years ago or you know close to 300 years ago what how are we still using this in a time where we supposedly advanced exactly. so much exactly i mean we're talking about a document that was written in 1787 right and ratified yep. in 1788 yep and has been in operation in the united states since 1789 Right. So that makes this the world's longest surviving written charter of government. But think about those dates. We are now in 2022. And as you and I have said repeatedly, 
what served to be part of the constitution then no longer serves today. I mean, the, well, let me clarify that statement. For example, the right to bear arms and such was, was written into the constitution during a time where uh, this land had to be defended mm -hmm. on a regular basis. That is what I'm referring to. Right. On the other hand, the constitution was written um, exactly to create the systemic environment that we are now living in to keep a certain group of people in a hierarchy position than others. Right. Now, that may seem com complicated. It may seem to be a bit complicated, but it really isn't. It, it really means that um, the Constitution was written to keep certain people on top and other people on the bottom. Exactly. And, let, and let's keep that three-fifths of a man in there to remind us of our goal here. Exactly. Right. So we can ratify, we can amend, we can change as much as we want, but that document, that underlining um, dehumanization of that document remained intact. And we can see how those underlying dehumanizing aspects are brought into the light when certain people feel it necessary to do so. And this is what we're seeing throughout um, the Senate throughout Congress, mm -hmm. right? well, it's, it becomes a game of holding on to right. wealth, holding on to position, holding on to maintaining that hierarchy by any means necessary. And if that means you need to reach back into a document for something that was written in 1787 and ratified in 1788, then so be it, because that's what's being done. Right. Right. Well, looking at the intent, and we can go with the Constitution um, and the different laws of the states and localities that are made to, again, keep people in their place and to keep other people on top. And it's the negligence of America, that's the public, that's law enforcement, that's, you know, like I said, the judicial branch of government, every branch of government mm -hmm. to, to perpetuate what this country was originally founded upon, which was a select group of people coming here to make their fortune and to take the land. That's, you know, and everyone else was just going to be used and if not cooperative, eliminated as a means to that end. Right. Uh, and the machine was put into place a long time ago in order to make sure that this continues to happen. Uh, and it, Unfortunately, those uh, not enough people pull back the curtain in order to recognize that everything it may not be over, but the covert things that are happening are still happening. Just because you don't see it on, on top doesn't mean that uh, it's not an ingredient in the way that this country runs. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if, if we consider that the Constitution 
um, was devised to establish the governmental framework of the United States. And in fact, um, coming together of like minds, wealthy white men of the time, mm -hmm. um, were to maintain their positions and to maintain the positions of those that came after them, their ancestors, mm -hmm. then it is doing its job, right? Mm -hmm. But the question is, is, it, is all of it relevant to what we are faced with today? The world looks very different. The US looks very different than it did in 1787, right? Um, right. We're talking a world of where people looked the same. And the greatest disparity was between male and female. And we've exactly. talked about in earlier uh, podcasts as well that uh, women were not even included or considered in the writing of the constitution. Right. Right. Um, so I think we really do need to pay attention to, as the title implies, the dichotomy of law and how the constitution is used more as um, a tool for loopholing the system mm -hmm. than it is for upholding the system. Right. I mean, you know, when it's presented before us, it all sounds well and good. But when it comes down to literally black and white, or when it comes down to um, the question of even gender, and the norm, what is deemed to be the norm. You know, uh, what are we really upholding here? Yeah, what are you know, really upholding here. It's um, a, a great point that you make with regard to gender, because even if we talk about the right to vote, you know, kind of in this land, the Black man was given the right to vote because they fought in World War I prior to the white woman being given the right to vote. Hmm. And, you know, they were upset about that because how can any Black person vote before a white person? Right. But, you know, so if you look at the laws that are like on the books and, and timing, as you mentioned, then you see that the black woman is at the very bottom of the totem pole. Yes. Because then if you say, okay, the rights of white men, the white, the rights of men of color, the rights of white women, and then the rights of black women, it lends itself to that situation that you just spoke of in 1948, where these three family members, a mother and her two sons were uh, sentenced to death mm -hmm. because they were defending their mother from being attacked and raped by a white man. It just shows the value that is put and has been put on uh, black women in this country, yet Emmett Till was tortured and killed in 1955, seven years later for uh, saying something or whistling. And that's allegedly because this person who claims that it happened, the woman actually took it back right. uh, later in life, but 
if you look at a dichotomy of who the law protects, then that 1948 situation and 1955 situation where these people were laughing in court in court and having uh, meals with the sheriff as they were on trial right and everything how all of that is in direct conflict with each other 1948 1955 black woman white woman Who's the law there to protect? Exactly. Exactly. Again, there is a preservation of the hierarchy. That is the priority. And then mm -hmm. we were manipulated and changed accordingly to uphold that. You know, this right. is why we saw the insurrection. This is why, um, even though people were blatantly on record as having done certain things, um, we're not experiencing a, a, a one-day trial like the right. Indians experienced, right? It's being right. drawn out and cases are being made and, and um, people in the Senate and Congress are, are freely making their comments regarding these things, you know, in protection of those who participated, even those who did harm, who took the lives of others, right? Uh, right. And, and comparatively, like you were saying, and to your point, one day trial, you know, Clearly it's saying that a black life is not equivalent to a white life. Right. Clearly it's saying that even a life of a different gender or an undeclared gender is, is not as important as the norm of genders. Right. What are we talking about here, you know? Right, so if you talk about um, life mattering, then you you have to go back to a very recent, just within the past few years, statement by a United States Senator uh, Rand Paul about a lynching law. Yeah. Now, yeah. why do we not have a lynching law on record in 2022? Yeah. It still hasn't been passed. Now, why? It, it's because it has been a useful tool to keep people in their place and to flex on uh, different races or different people other than white people as to, okay, this is the way that we show you and make an example. And when Senator Rand Paul asked a question such as, what type of lynching are we talking about here? What type of lynching right. would you like right. to keep? Uh, he needed a specific definition. Okay, there is that uh, covering that goes throughout government, goes throughout the world in our daily lives, that covering, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Let me be clear is what Rand was basically saying. Uh, what do I need to tell my boys that they are no mm -hmm. longer able to do in terms of lynching? Why is right. that even a question? But, you know, we're also talking about an idiot who said that, you know, um, what do you say? Unless you deliver the baby, you're not really a doctor. Excuse me? Right. right. Uh, did you pay for your degree? 
<laughs> licensing. Well, you know, that's a whole nother episode. But I mean, where is this humanity and recognizing that all people are humans in terms of their existence? Why exactly. does there seem to be a disparity as to who, who is human and who isn't? Right. Why does it matter um, if their gender is defined or not? Why does it matter what shade they are? Why does it matter what language they speak or where exactly. they came from? If we're talking about humans, then every law that is established in this country should be reflective mm -hmm. of everyone being humans. Yeah, exactly. And to that point, if laws, whether humane or inhumane, were exacted equally, then we could speak about changing particular laws. But when we talk about laws at their foundation that were created in order to treat people unequally, then we need to get rid of those laws. Right get rid of those documents to your to your point people look at the constitu constitution and they're like oh my god the language that was used in the way that it was written they marvel at it like a work of art okay works of art belong in a museum they don't necessarily belong as a as a tool in order to still base the laws of this country on. You know, things needed need to be repealed and no more amendments. We need a new set of laws in the country that people are equally comfortable applying to cases that involve both white and everyone else mm -hmm. and as well you know people need to get used to the fact that i'll say black people in particular are more than three-fifths of a human yeah, absolutely absolutely how about we scrap that right absolutely. right you know um this is how my mind works sometimes i am totally floored that it took until 2005 for the U.S. Supreme Court to remove the execution of children. Um, and to your point, yes, that was put into place um, so that Black children could be executed. Case in point, 14-year-old um, George Steiner Jr., his trial took 10 minutes. It took 10 minutes to convict him of killing two white girls. He was executed in 1944. Wow. And it took 70 years later, seven zero years later after his execution to exonerate him. Really? And uh, <laughs> we're just gonna leave you with that for a little food for thought. Okay, 14 years old. Those of you out there that have children, nephew, brother, someone you know, 
14 years old, 10 minute trial, sentenced to death. And it took this country until 2005 to change that. Why? <laughs> because it was targeted towards a select group of individuals. Well, we are at the end of this week's podcast. As always, we invite you to um, check us out on Instagram. If you have any questions, if there's anything that you'd like to add to what we've discussed, please do that. We want to know our impact on what we're doing. Also, if you found this to be knowledgeable and important enough to share, then please do share. You can hear us on Anchor on Spotify. Until next time, thank you.